This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know entirely too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It is embarrassing, but this time of year, perhaps it is a source of information for the listener. With me, as always, my co-host, the skeptic, the voice of the people, the little devil upon my shoulder, Kristen Stuttered. Hey, Kristen. Hello. Joe. How you doing? You know, I'm doing okay. I've I as I keep saying on the on the show, I am so so busy right now, but I am uh I like being busy and that is fun for me. You're you're committed to the grind. We've always said this. That's you... me. I hustle, I grind, I rise, I grind until I die, man. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's... Hustle juice flowing through the veins. <laughs> that's that's, no that's other the name choice. of the game. Wouldn't no have it any other way. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh let's bring in our guest. No more nonsense. It's time to bring in our guest. Uh she's a writer and editor out of Austin, Texas. Trisha Gilbride, welcome to the show. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as I've kind of alluded to, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, potentially an embarrassing thing to know a lot about, something people don't pay attention to. What is your reference level for this institution? Have you seen clips online? Have you watched the ceremony? Do you pay attention to the announcements? Uh, yeah, I definitely used to watch it like when I was like a tween teenager with my mom. And like I, d- I remember her like recording the like clash um induction oh, me on sure. vhs which was very what cool year was me. that joe it was Hell 2000 no. that's 2003 i also have some of that on a vhs tape somewhere <laughs> i don't still have it but at the time it was awesome uh yeah and then i've i've written about it on and off for the past few years definitely wrote about the dolly parton situation last year Absolutely. a bunch and uh yeah, in general, though, I write more about award shows than I do music, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm very interested in like the pageantry element of it. Right. Yeah. This is the then this is the nexus of of music and award shows. And there is there certainly is pageantry. There's politics. Um, there's all, all the good and bad that come with award shows. Truly, and the kind the of like hall. in the you know to 
paraphrase Chrissy Hind, you know, like all the industry backslapping and kind of like inside baseball insiderism, but also, you know, outward focus. Like it's like they're all they want to make us feel like they're letting us in, but they also want to keep us at an arm's length. That's what an award show is. It's a peek behind the curtain. Damn. But only but only what they want you to see. Um, Trisha, let's uh let's get to know you by playing a little game called Trisha Gilbride is a rock hall voter. Let's act like you have a ballot. You could choose up to five artists on that ballot. You don't have to choose five if you don't want to. That's a strategy that some voters actually uh use. But who would you pick on this year's ballot? This year, I would go for uh, Kate Bush, New Order slash Joy Division, um, Missy Elliott, um, Cheryl, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like we said, I live in Austin. I have to vote for Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. <laughs> They'll kick I, you like, out. I went to a like show at his ranch like four days ago. So. Oh, wow. What was that? It was like uh, a bunch of New Orleans musicians. So yeah, like Big Frida and like a bunch of other people. Oh, great. Uh, I went to that at the Hollywood Bowl here in LA. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, so it was like Big Frida, Tank and the Bangas, uh, Trombone Shorty, and a, a bunch of the uh, New Orleans, just funk and bounce uh, people. It was fun. Uh, sorry, back to your ballots. Good ballot, good choice. You know what I mean? We We also keep talking about how it is, there's really, it's really hard to make a terrible ballot it's very hard to look at the choices and pick like what's the word is there a way to pick all men <laughs> yeah Joe? oh yeah t- totally uh, you absolutely is there a way to pick all white men um let's see if you did iron maiden willie nelson warren zevon mm-hmm. but then you'd start to get into like Soundgarden is close but technically i mean like there are members of Soundgarden that are not white so mm-hmm. i mean you maybe associate them with being a white band, but I don't think Kim Thale is a is a white fellow, and I don't think uh, one of their members before their kind of big period hero he was Japanese. So technically not. People, okay. You know, also you know, Rage Against the Machine, they're they're not white. They're even not though, white. Mm-hmm. You know, even though even though you know maybe, maybe some audience. of their music has been co opted and and kind of like. But then you know, like with with some of the other a- other groups, obviously New Order has Gillian Gilbert in it. White mm-hmm. Stripes is Meg White. And uh, George Michael is not straight. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's still, I guess, I guess then you could, you could do George Michael and then that's kind of it. If you just wanted white guys. Yeah. You could if do you it. If you just wanted white guys, let's, you let's could not, do it. Let's not put the uh, idea out there. Okay. <laughs> I am not calling that into existence. I'm just curious. Just, I feel like in the past, it's been easier to make a terrible or boring, uh, yes, a, a bunch no, of easy, boring easily, choices. Easily. Very true. Uh, but yeah, so it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to make a really bad or boring. I, I, I use like bad in the sense of just like boring, expected more of the same kind of way. And like, I feel like this year the ballot is quite, it's like more interesting than it's been in the past. I would say so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was this a, was this a difficult choice for you, Trisha? Not especially like there are some, Artists like I, they were kind of cuspy, like uh, Rage and like George Michael. Mm-hmm. But but for the most part, like I went by the artists that have made the biggest impact in my life over mm-hmm. um, the ballot. So mm-hmm. that was pretty easy. Yeah, when it comes down to it, often it's just personal choice. That's what you have to do when you look at a ballot that has a lot of artists on it that are certainly worthy 
uh, from an objective place. You have to take another angle at it. This could be a year, I think, where we could see a lot of kind of like evenness in the like, I think it's going to be a very close, close race, uh, close race. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll never know. The mm-hmm. vote, vote totals are never public. We will only speculate. But why don't we talk about Cheryl Crow? Let's yes. shift the conversation. Trisha, I would love to hear about your personal journey with uh, Cheryl Crow and her music, because as as I understand, it was not love at first sight. No, no. I kind of uh, sort of absorbed her music for like years and years and, you know, Occasionally when I'd hear her music like on the radio or like in a drugstore or whatever, I'd be like, wow, that that is a good song sort of. But it took me a while to like think about her as an artist as a whole and realize that she's like a lot weirder than I thought she was. And I think a lot of people think she is. I think she's a lot more layered than like she's giving credit for in like the general public. I think when I say like, oh, I love Cheryl Crow so much, like sometimes people do like a double take. There's like, oh, oh yeah, she's good kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is especially weird to me because she's such, or not weird, but like she's such a musician's musician, like Prince, Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash. These are her like fans, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it, there there's not enough conversation about her and uh i can talk about her forever so i'm here (laughs) yeah hell yeah i mean i think too a lot of that in particular to me at least is like got misogyny baked into it with regard to just like i think she's written off as like mom rock what i'm about to say is like oh yeah i remember when all i want to do came out and i remember my mom buying the tuesday night music club cd Like, I remember that happening. Like, Sheryl Crow, I think, is, like, considered, yeah, just kind of, like, mom rock in a way. Um, And and that is maybe, like, a denigrated category, as is just pretty much anything to do with women. But, um, (laughs) and and so I think that that also, it's like, oh, but you're young, you know? Oh, but you're, like, cool and interesting, and you like Sheryl Crow? Isn't she for moms or whatever, you know? Um, I think is like maybe a part of the image someone has of your of a Sheryl Crow fan, right? I remember hearing, and I'm sure we'll get into this too, because she was part of like Tuesday Night Music Club, we'll talk about. It's like she was a part of like a singer-songwriter's like circle that would get together and like jam and write songs together and riff and help each other i believe and stuff so she's just like come up through music and being a musician's musician right yeah Yeah, and on the mom rock thing i think there was kind of a a resurgence a few years ago at least among like my friends and stuff when her music was in the richard linklater movie boyhood and it was like the main character just listening to cheryl crow in his mom's car and like Mm -hmm. i think that brought up a lot of memories but it was still like in that sort of, you know, corner. Yeah, where, I mean, she can be used as a cultural touchstone for, like, a kid in his mom's car. What's the song? What's the music that's going to be playing? It's going to be Sheryl Crow. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that. Like, it is that the music that's playing in your mom's car is Sheryl Crow. I don't think that that's a bad thing, but I understand what is baked into our society. Mm -hmm. And what we think about rock and roll and how we Mm -hmm. define rock and roll and how we define it as in defiance of your mom often. Mm -hmm. And when music, it seems to be safe enough for mom to rock out to, 
you uh, then there's a kind of an instinct of like, wait a second, no, 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 I can't, I can't also like this. I have to, I have to rebel. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's, you know, blasting Cheryl Crow to stick it to their parents. I think unless their parents are just like no music at all. Because you can blast Cheryl Crow. Yeah, you can. And 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 make it a make it a statement. Um, I I want to I want to talk about Trisha the uh, impetus potentially the impetus for your your turn back to Cheryl Crow to give Cheryl you know a, a little bit more cred and and to your kind of developing fandom because you wrote an article for the cut and, and uh, I'd I'd like to I'd like to discuss that. Yeah, sure. In 2007, um, she was kind of traveling around the country in a bus on this sort of environmental tour with uh, Lori David, who was one of the producers of An Inconvenient Truth. Mm-hmm. And they had like a blog on the Huffington Post um, <laughs> where they were just kind of Wait, like- Wait, what year was this? 07. 2007. Okay, that is like so 07. Huffington Post, yeah. <laughs> they had yeah. a blog on the Huffington Post. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I heard Huffington Post mentioned. Wow. Okay, yes. We are in the time capsule. Yes. Yeah, so they had a blog about environmentalism that, you know, I, I can't tell you what the stats were on that, but I can imagine they were like massive. And then she and Lori uh, wrote this or published this blog post that was saying uh, you should only use one square of toilet paper per visit. Uh, I think I should probably read oh, wow. the exact quote. I think that's kind of important. Now, I don't want to rob any law-abiding American of his or her God-given rights, but I think we are an industrious enough people that we can make it work with only one square per restroom visit. Oh, boy. Of course, on those pesky occasions where two to three could be required. Um, bold. Absolutely bold. bold. Not going to, you know, and you have to remember this is 2007. This is uh, still George Bush's America. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, um, and it, it upset George Bush's America. I believe that. Wow. Yeah, it was sort of, again, 2007, the news cycle isn't what it was, or it maybe would have like blown over in a couple days. Mm-hmm. It was, they were filling up 24-7 news cycle. So Fox News was quite pissed off about it. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> like Jay Leno was talking about it. It was like a topic of conversation for a bit. And they like, tried to talk to Carl Rove at some point. It didn't oh really Oh my gosh. Hurt. But what I think was kind of like missing from the story is it wasn't that serious. Like uh-huh. they had other suggestions. There was like a detachable sleeves to use as a napkin. So you wouldn't use paper napkins. Like it was like, you know, maybe that's an idea, but it wasn't an edict or anything like that. They were kind of just like, let's think more creatively about how we can help the world. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a toilet paper crusade, but people took it really seriously and people went back. Yes, that I totally understand. That is, it was, well, also we were just like, this is just like in the, you know, lead up to outrage culture and like, you know, constant grievance of, um, you know, the Mm -hmm. right. And so just people being like, 
and Cheryl Crow wants to tell me I can only use one square at a time. I'll show her. And then they throw their Keurig machine out the window. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like to mix a metaphor, but you know, it's that same kind of like reactionary, like, yeah, she's like suggesting maybe you could use less toilet paper uh, and people got mad. Heaven forbid. Uh, okay, so that and happens. Then, and then, yeah, and then and then a few years ago, uh, Trisha, you wrote a, a piece for the cut, kind of about that and how it relates to your uh, fandom of Cheryl. Yeah, I just kind of started looking at her in a different way and realizing that like she has been writing political songs her entire career. I believe it was her uh, self-titled CD was banned from Walmart because mm-hmm. she had a lyric about like kids buying guns from Walmart. And just, yeah, throughout her career, she's been pretty outspoken and been writing about this kind of stuff. And like, you're not necessarily going to think that about like the Soak Up the Sun singer, even though like when you listen to Soak Up the Sun, the lyrics are actually like not just like a fun beach day sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's more depth to it. I mean, isn't the first lyric, my friend, the communist? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, let's uh, I want to talk a little bit before we like kind of dive into Cheryl's career. I want to talk a little bit about her background and kind of leading up to the solo career uh, from Missouri and uh, was a was a school teacher, was teaching music to kids uh, before she uh, kind of linked up with a commercial producer and like sang because she was always singing um always it came from like a musical family she sang on a mcdonald's commercial and made so much money and was like oh this could be this thing i love could be a career and then made the journey to la to try and uh like not knowing it like one of those classic stories of not really knowing anybody but just like kind of Showing up to record labels, you know, uh, going to the record companies, being like, "Hi, I'm Cheryl, I'm Demon Town," <laughs> kind of thing. But she was she was kicking around as a backup singer for a while, and then her kind of big break was she went on the Bad tour with Michael Jackson. Yes, yeah, and she snuck into that audition. She just like heard someone saying there was an audition for backup singers for that and uh she just walked in as if she had been invited and she absolutely was not but she was chosen i love that a lesson to us all uh show up uninvited oh no i'm like don't tell my mom this you know know. every actor in every person in la's parents have given them advice like well, this. Well, you just show up just and you go... Knock uh, on their door. They like that. They <laughs> want gumption. They want people, you know, nobody's willing to talk face-to-face these days. Go drop off your picture. Send a letter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, drop you off should... your head. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the, and the, the pictures of Cheryl from that time are are very fun, you know. Oh, yeah, she's got that hair. She's got, she's got that 80s era hair. Yes, absolutely. And like the the whole, she's styled almost like she's a cartoon character or something to fit into the Michael Jackson world. Amazing. Um, and that and that was kind of her first taste of like the real biz because you know Michael Jackson had like a lot of power players around him, uh, and you know there were, you know, uh, unsavory characters and, and activity. You know. Yeah. Also, I mean, there's like that in particular. There were, on tour, there were a lot of. Um, Oh gosh, 
I mean, I'm sorry, like we can't talk about Michael Jackson without like kind of, yeah, obviously just like bringing up the abuse and uh, just the fact that that is a complicated thing and it it tarnishes everything that has to do with him. And Mm -hmm. that is just has to be acknowledged and said every time. Absolutely. I'm glad and I'm glad you did it. And we can uh, we can transition out of that with something a little bit lighter that was that happened to Sheryl Crow at the time. She is on the the last, I think, aired episode of a show called Cop Rock. Oh, the one where it was like cops were like singing and dancing. Yes. It was like a musical yes. show. It is a it is a very notable bomb, like kind of what were they thinking idea. But it came from Stephen Bochco, who was like one of the top TV producers at the time. Um, but it's yeah, it's cops singing and dancing and she had like a oh my gosh like i'm sorry i just looked at the logo for cop rock and it is just it is a gun with the word cop rock in front of it and like the trigger on the gun is a music note um it's yes. called good design Kristen. <laughs> maybe learn, to maybe learn a thing or two no. oh um, man so, so she had a plum roll of what a singing cop <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, she was one of the singing cops? Was she like a series regular? No, no, or no. Something? She, she was she was a guest star. I mean, I here's the thing. I've seen the clip, but like to be perfectly frank, maybe she's not a cop, but uh you can't really tell what's going on because she's just like singing in the precinct uh with a bunch of other people. She's an That's undercover great. cop, I guess. I just I just looked it up. There Have you seen go. this, Trisha? Uh, yeah, I've seen the clip, but have no other context for it. <laughs> You wait, cop hold rock. on. I I I asked you to be on this show because you're the number one cop rock <laughs> fan in America, and you're gonna do me like this? I can't believe it. Okay, yeah. So uh, that's any uh, anything else, Trisha, that you want to add in in terms of like kind of the story of Cheryl Crow leading up to when she kind of goes solo? Uh, no, I mean she um, met some unsavory people on that tour that she wrote about and wasn't afraid to write about, which is cool. Um, but she also met the person who would become her manager. She met, a, she made like good connections otherwise. So mm-hmm. those ended up being the people that like really had her back in the industry, which thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She was, she was n- not afraid to, you know, cause like you said, like some of she, she was harassed, you know, and she was, you know, when you're in the position and you're like surrounded by like some of the most powerful people in the music business, you can understand like, you know, maybe going along with it or not saying anything, but she kind of stood her ground and didn't play that game, which is uh, very admirable for, you know, an, an impressionable someone who's starting out in the in the business. One thing I want to do just because <laughs> we haven't done this in a long time, Kristen, but uh, sometimes when I'm looking for a guest i want to make sure that they're like a a big enough fan of of the music and so i do a keyword search on on twitter oh this is like how you found like it's def leopard thursday yeah exactly right so i i i just all i want to do uh and you can uh respond to these or not all i want to (laughs) do okay (laughs) i just i i was just so convinced so quickly June 3rd, 2017, all caps, Cheryl Crow. No, no other context, <laughs> just the words Cheryl Crow. Oh, I mean, the reference to the, the toilet paper comes a lot. But uh, once again, listening to Cheryl Crow in the inflatable pool, uh, July 19th, 2020, good pandemic activity. Mm-hmm. T- today, I learned that Cheryl Crow once played at my local goth club. Oh, all right. 
what is that? Oh, well, that's uh, Numbers in Houston, uh, which has been around, I think, since like the 70s. It's the coolest place in the world to me. It's very like wholesome, but they'll they'll do like every Friday night. They do like New Order, The Cure, like uh, De- mm-hmm. like all those people. And yeah, they used to have a lot more concerts. Like they had like Grace Jones play. They oh, had yeah. Cheryl Crow play. So many people. There was like a recent documentary uh, about the club. It's called Friday. I'm in love. Um, if you're uh-huh. interested in like just history of venues that mir- miraculously is still there. So yeah, I I was, I, I also attended like concerts growing up that were not like necessarily the vibe. Like I think I saw Rilo Kylie there twice, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just a very special place, but thank you for place all for a special lady. And what? So one day you were just like, I gotta let the people know, Cheryl Crow, all caps, no, uh, <laughs> nothing no. else. Which I respect. I, I do too. I, 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 Sometimes I don't, you just I'm have to put her name out there. Sometimes you have to just circulate. Sometimes people just need to think about her, and you have to be the vehicle to make it happen. Yeah, I'm just like a clock that I tweet Cheryl Crow like every so often. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't mean to uh, put you on the spot, but I did. I did feel like we're and worth mentioning. Uh, you, you, you walk the walk, which is important here on this show. <laughs> um. So I quickly before we go to the break, I just I want to do some Rock Hall stats with with Cheryl Crow. Uh, she's been eligible for the Rock Hall since 2019. Because uh, her debut album, Tuesday Night Music Club, was released in 1993. This is her first time on a ballot. And she has a long history with the Rock Hall. Uh, in 1995, she performed the song Midnight Rider with the Allman Brothers Band when they were inducted. And just as a little note, they were inducted by fellow nominee this year, Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, later in 1995. And, she, and you know, great uh, duet partner. You mean Cheryl yes. Crow's duet partner? Cheryl Crow's okay. <laughs> uh, frequent duet partner, Willie Nelson, yes. Uh, later in 1995, Cheryl is one of the kind of like new class of people who played at the concert for the Rock Hall, which was commemorating the opening of the museum. So, you know, she's kind of sharing the stage uh, with people like Aretha Franklin and James Brown and Bob Dylan. Uh in 1998, she gives the speech inducting Fleetwood Mac. In 2014, she participated in the Linda Rodstadt tribute with Carrie Underwood, Bonnie Raitt, Emmylou Harris, Stevie Nicks, and Glenn Fry. A very great, uh, one of the one of the best kind of like performances at the hall. Performances at the hall, absolutely. And where I became a Carrie Underwood fan, really Me shocking. Me too. She's she has she's she's got a. Powerhouse voice. She can really sing. Mm -hmm. Very sad. Uh, 2016, you know, just two years ago, she was performing with Glenn Frey. And then 2016, she was performing the In Memoriam for Glenn Frey uh, with Grace Potter, did the song New Kid in Town. In 2019, she doesn't perform, but you can see that she's seated at Stevie Nicks's table. There you go. Stevie was being inducted that year. So we have three Stevie things just with the hall. Clearly they're, they're buds and they like each other. And then last year... In 2022, Cheryl inducts Pat Benatar and then also performs 9 to 5 with the Zach Brown Band uh, as part of the Dolly tribute and then takes a verse on Jolene for the jam at the end of the show. Yep. She's around. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Cheryl, 
is she might be the most around she might be the most around of this ballot for sure but of people that have been nominated in the past like maybe dave grohl accepting dave grohl dave grohl is maybe equal uh or, you know, maybe surpasses the amount of involvement that uh, she's had considering he's on the nominating committee, but she's, she's shown that she'll show up and she's, she's happy to be there. She's going to play the game and have a smile on her face about it. Yeah. I think she occupies a space in terms of like nineties artists as like kind of a throwback, the singer songwriter, you know, it, it makes mm-hmm. sense for her to be so tight with uh with Stevie Nicks and, and Willie Nelson. And, you know, like Trisha, you were saying before, you know, among her fans are like the Rolling Stones and like these uh, pillars of, of the kind of classic rock boomer saviors. And so it makes perfect sense when the hall has to come up with someone who's like a little bit newer that they would, they'd go to Cheryl and she seems very game. Yeah. Yeah, and she toured with Stevie and everything. They are very close. Um, there's a really good clip on YouTube of uh, Stevie performing on Oprah and introducing Cheryl for a duet that I recommend. Um, but yeah, that is that is a very like long term friendship. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's actually take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we are going to evaluate Cheryl Crow via. The uh, the joke was all a metric of the categories that I think you you would if you do well in them you have a good shot at induction. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break. Uh, you uh, maintained a scheduled interruption. Perfect. Carol uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's evaluate Cheryl Crow via my, the joke was all a method of categorization. Um, the first one is iconic slash majorly recognizable songs. And I actually think we can go chronologically here. I don't think it perfectly lines up with like what are the most recognizable, but I think it's generally along the right lines. And I think it just kind of makes sense to go through her big singles 
chronologically. And so obviously the, the big breakout hit in 1994 was All I Want to Do. All I Want to Do. like story song too you know we weren't really hearing this type of song on the radio you know what i mean it is not a like i don't know i think of like the lyrics how they're they don't really rhyme they're just kind of chatting she's saying what she sees you know it's got like a it's a fun vibe you know and, and it was like different well it's, it's it's based off a poem a guy named uh win cooper had written a poem. And I think, you know, as you were referencing before, there was this like Tuesday, literal Tuesday night music club, which is the name of the album that this song is off was a collective of songwriters and musicians. And they just, there was like a book of poetry and like picked it up and saw, uh, all I want to do is have a little fun before I die was the line and maybe a few other ones. And she kind of took that and interpolate interpolated. It. And they, they had to back in the day, find this guy's phone number uh, and call him and be like, is it cool if we do this? We'll give you half the songwriting. And he was like, yeah, whatever. Oh, wow. Because he the because he said, all I want to do is have a little fun before I die. Not even the part about peeling the labels off his bottle of bud. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I, I that so. is a lyric that I'm like, wow, we're out here. Peeling. I just think of that as like, it's it's such a country type line, you know. Peels mm -hmm. the label label off his bottle of bud. I also, think maybe, an evocative image. Maybe says the man next to me out of nowhere was also part of that uh, poem, but I think I think that's a that's about it. Well, if it says the man next to me out of nowhere, I'm I, I'll give him more credit. Yeah, but, but the phrase all I want to do is have a little fun before I die. I'm like, who's it? Come on, who Edward. owns that? Don't we all who own owns it? That exactly. We all live it. Uh, my understanding is they kind of uh, wrote the song collectively and some of the bandmates had like made that deal with him, but Cheryl didn't like really know about it. So he kind of found out with the rest of the world that it was like this mega hit. So it ended up just being like sort of a, a big like part of like the various betrayals people in the Tuesday night music club had with each other over the years. Right. Yeah. It, they're like, it got, was a lot of, it got messy, didn't contentious. it? Contentious. Well, cause mm -hmm. also with this, I guess with this poem, it was co-written when the poem was written, it was like co-written with a guy, but just credited to Win Cooper. Obviously not the, they weren't thinking that it would then get uh, turned into a majorly successful pop song. I mean, this is a single that went gold. It went to number two. It's, you know, to this date, uh, her, still her biggest hit. It's like probably her her signature song. It won record of the year at the Grammys while well, she won best new artist. Uh, it's her number one song on Spotify with 155 million streams. So then th there, there became some, I think there was a lawsuit between the original poet and his buddy who like they co-wrote it with because he wanted some songwriting credit. Yeah, there, there's a... It goes both for a the, song about fun. <laughs> All I want to do is have a little fun <laughs> the, and get litigious. Yeah, there's a lot of drama for a song about fun. Yeah, one thing I I didn't realize until you know we've been covering this year's artists is we have two artists on the ballot this year whose big breakout song was about girls just wanting to have fun. Hey, 
Hey, it's um, Warren Zevon and Cheryl Crow. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was like, oh, that's interesting. I'd never even made the connection uh, between Me those neither. two songs. Well, because all I want to do is the name of that song. You know, it doesn't have the word fun in the title. Yeah. So that that's what makes sense. And then learning that that lyric in particular was written by a man of all things. God damn it. In a poem. Come both, on. Of, both of those songs written by men oh that's right because um girls just want to have fun was written by a man from the perspective of a guy i forgot yeah. i mean right I, I forgot we did a cindy Lauper episode never mind the contents of it uh yeah that's right i forgot and very interesting wow. uh the next single off that album uh a great one strong enough oh yeah That's the second single? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, you know what? There were a few singles off of Tuesday Night Music Club before All I Want to Do, but they didn't really make a big mark. What did they? Okay, I see. You know, I, I mean, this will come up as we're talking, but man, oh man, when I say Sheryl Crow has a, has a deep karaoke catalog, you know what I mean? There's just, there's something for for most vocals, uh, stylings for most, you know, the strong enough is one that's like a, you know, you've had a few too many, you got a, a couple of tears in your eyes. You a just want to get on sway is beginning. exactly get on stage, really let it out a little bit. All I want to do yeah, is in like there. Getting a little too real during karaoke. <laughs> and people yes. are like not sure whether to just like pat you on the shoulder or be like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, right, you're, exactly. You're, sta you're staring at someone saying, lie to me. I'll, I promise I'll believe. Like, yes. <laughs> All right. And you're like, oh my gosh, are they here? The person that, that they're really singing about. Okay, uh, that, so we got strong and, enough. And that song went gold, went to number five. It, it feels to me like kind of the classic model of breaking through with the fun, up-tempo, party song and then following it with the serious uh, love song ballad. Um, and I, I think this song is great. Oh, yeah. One of the one of, one of of the best. We're two for two. Love it. Right? Show I mean, show, show <laughs> <crow>. <laughs> uh, And then when we get to her next album, the self-titled uh, Cheryl Crow in 1996, the first single was a big one and one, one that I would probably give the number two slot, which is If It Makes You Happy. Oh, yeah. Makes you happy. It can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why the hell are you so See, the, you know what's so funny, though? She has so many songs that I think could hit the number two slot because i think yeah that's why i was like let's just go chronologically because yeah. i don't know that i could completely i'm gonna start bringing up other songs that, that we haven't gotten to yet but no, yeah don't, yeah, don't do if that if it we'll makes get there. you happy <laughs> is definitely like that's a very well-known song and also has some more kind of sing talk now i don't want to say sing talk but like the way that she writes kind of she her songwriting is a little more storytelling based than a lot of other pop songwriters or modern popular songwriters i guess is what i would say yeah um and this is another one where you can really i mean you can handle it karaoke like at first Ooh, and yeah. then and then you got to scream you gotta yeah, like uh -oh, go for uh -oh. it yeah you might have thought you knew what you were signing up for and then by the end you're like uh oh <laughs> yeah you, yeah right it, it really that roller coaster goes uh 
goes places. Uh, and even though this song went to just just went to number ten, the single itself went platinum. And this was actually, I, as I recall, this is my introduction to Cheryl Crow, which I think says more about my age than it does mm-hmm. about Cheryl, which is, you know, I was nine versus being six, which you cross a precipice around that time into like knowing what the songs on the radio are. And this is her, this is her number two song on Spotify with 113 million. All right. Next single off that second album was Every Day is a Winding See, Road. That's one I would put. I would put that one also up there. Every day is a winding road. I get a little bit closer. Solid tie for number two. Although the one that I really think is number two. It's coming up. Has, it's hasn't coming up. been said yet. But this song also, I don't know. Songs weren't like being th- this type of song. It just feels like it's meant for a movie trailer, like just the opening of it. You got the little uh, bongos or the congas. I don't know which it is, but got a little hand drumming going on and kind of like you can imagine a woman just driving through Uh the countryside. Like that's really it. It's got that vibe. I think the soundtrack to Crossroads was mostly Britney Spears with one insane song. Yeah. But this would this would definitely fit that. Yeah, like the writer of Crossroads was listening to this while they wrote the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who was Shonda Rhimes, by the way? Shonda Rhimes right. wrote Crossroads? Yeah. yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Dang. Okay, Shonda. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no a good way to look up if a song is in a movie trailer, but I do feel like you're onto something that every day is a winding road is in it just makes a lot of sense. It feels like the title too, like the vibe of the song and the title of this. It, like it just, it all really goes together. I don't know. The thing about this song is it's like, it's <laughs> better. It down, well, cause it's better than it sounds like it is. Do you know what I mean? Like you could really write it off as just like a movie trailer song. You or know? a song that opens an Ella DeGeneres special, which I believe it does. Exactly. It's, I mean, this song, it's like got corny. It's kind of corny. It's got a corny reputation. But it but, goes. But it goes and it's not a bad, it's not its fault that it's corny, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It didn't mean it. Uh, or I mean, it was it didn't. She didn't set out trying to write a corny song, but it is. That's a that one's a little bit corny, but I I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I love Sheryl Crow. She's it's my number great, one great draft pop pick song. this year. Great but, pop rock <laughs> song. Pop song. Yeah, and also like it sounds very peppy and stuff. Like mm-hmm. a lot of her stuff that isn't. Um, like the lyric is every day get a little bit closer to like feeling fine. Like yes. that is the objective, not like being happy or anything just like being okay for a little bit i don't think that's like necessarily um a sentiment that at least then like now that like radio has gotten a lot gloomier but like when i think back then like you know it doesn't seem like a sentiment that would settle right yeah just kind of getting yourself out of the doldrums to like stasis like just to be like all right i can i can manage i can get through this but it's you know it's and i I like when a song can kind of hide a message like that in in an upbeat kind of peppy music yeah yeah she camouflaged it it's like she's not feeling great right yet but every day's a winding road who knows what's around the bend Mm -hmm. huh 
Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. And then another, also off that record, a lot, lot of good songs off that album. Uh, a change would do you good. That song is, I really like that song. Mm-hmm. I think that song is fun and I like it. Does it, it, does it have a good music video or does it not? I don't know. I, not that I recall. I mean, I'm sure she, she okay. had good, she had solid music videos. She's definitely from like the, that era and like i don't know i do think of her as like a vh1 artist like someone that yeah. they they push quite a bit yeah but. she's definitely and that's see there you go it's a, that's she's a she's a vh1 artist she's not an mtv artist she's a vh1 artist that's like also solidly placing her in the mom rock category yeah. right yeah i mean i think her best music video is for if it makes you happy i believe it's the one where she's like in the museum and she's an exhibit like at the natural history history museum or something mm-hmm. Ooh. that's the one i remember the most definitely yeah. and like she gets like close up to the camera and stuff but uh change would do you good for some reason wasn't eligible for the hot 100 but made it to number 19 on radio airplay which okay. is essentially the same thing and she played the song at obama's inauguration there you go change i get it I Do you get it? Right. I get it. <laughs> I get it. And also she got invited to the inauguration, you know? Yeah. Just, that was, that um, was a hot ticket in 08. Are you kidding? Yeah. And she also uh, wrote a song that I think was anticipating other results a few times. That was, it's called like Woman in the White House. Don't you think it's time to put a woman in the White House with a whole new oh. It's objectively cheesy, but. Absolutely. You know. God bless her. She swung. She swung. She's hey, we all swung. We were all. (laughs) But that was like that song. I think it was like 2012 or something. So it wasn't like directly tied to Hillary or anything. It was just kind of speculative. (laughs) Speculative fiction. (laughs) (laughs) All right, please, please keep moving. I can't. Okay, the next album (laughs) is 1998's The Globe Sessions, and the first single off that was My Favorite Mistake. favorite Cheryl Crow song and my karaoke jam. I sing that one quite often. I like that song a lot. That is a great song. That is to me, my favorite Cheryl Crow song. I think it's really good. I think it, it is. It's great. It's went, just, went gold, went to number 20 and they yeah. say the song is about Eric Clapton. Ugh. Yeah. That does kind of ruin it a little, mm. <laughs> but she denies it, but doesn't that make you kind of think it's about Eric Clapton a little bit more? No, believe women. Sorry. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. No, I just can't have that song tainted with Eric Clapton. I think she's she's keeping it uh, a mystery because she knows the value of a song that people speculate about. She learned from Carly. Totally. Which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. You know, kind of her taking the Carly slot in a way this year in some ways. The singer-songwritery. Uh-huh. Carly Carroll. You know, here she comes. Carly Carol Cheryl. Hey. Um, <laughs> huh? mm-hmm. And then the next album was 2002's Come On, Come On, which has the single Soak Up the Sun. The one and only that I would say is her number two most popular song or known song it's definitely now, her, that's her a freaking 
movie trailer. It's like what she began with every day as a winding road. She said, let me just let me turn it to 11 on this one. We're going full speed ahead. We are driving. We're not driving down a country road anymore. We're driving straight to the beach. We're getting out with our surfboards. We're high fiving our friends. Well, interesting. I mean, I I do kind of soak up the sun to me feels like the spiritual successor to all I want to do like mm. kind of sonically um mm. and i i i soak of the sun is definitely her like her poppiest uh hit went gold went to number 17 yeah wait only went to number 17 so her highest one is number two with um all i want to do correct yeah that was her biggest yeah that was definitely one of the ones that you always had stuck in your head and yeah it took me a while to like listen to the lyrics that were beyond the chorus because it is so catchy so it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to like dig a little deeper but once you do it's just like a weird song and i love it and then let's take a little detour because we cannot forget and, and you know i feel like i don't know honestly if i'm being real i don't know the song but i know it was a big hit and a lot of people know it the duet with kid rock called picture i found your picture today i swear i'll change my I told you how I was at a bar in uh, in rural Oregon, and that song was sung not once, not twice, but three separate times in the course of three hours, twice by the same guy with a different woman, Whoa. and then once by a different pair. The KJ was not running a tight ship in that situation. That yeah, wouldn't have happened uh, at the places that I frequent in Los Angeles. But you know what? Rural Oregon, they said, give the people what they want. And they want to sing photograph. They want to sing picture over and over again. Um, that is my grandpa. That was like my grandpa died in 2008. I want to say 2007. And that was like one of his last favorite songs. He loved picture. Picture. Um, loved it. If if I made quote from March 1st, 2022, does anyone want to know how many times I listened to Picture by Cheryl Crow and Kid Rock on my walk home last night? <gasps> I wasn't doing great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have done it in karaoke. It's a fun song. I will say that like being the Kid Rock in the song and bringing two different women on is just a, a perfect illustration of the song. Yep. You know, I have to support it, I guess. Uh, you know, it went gold, went to number four, even charted on the country charts. I believe uh, that. It's a very country song. I mean, it's basically, it is a country song. I feel like that's why I never heard it. Like, you know, we've discussed before, country never really like. But, it, you know, it's number four in the regular charts, uh, it was not on a Cheryl album. It was on a Kid Rock album, and that album was called Khaki. Get out uh, of here. And, uh, you know, I guess there was an issue with Kid Rock's label Atlantic couldn't get permission from AM, which was Cheryl's label, to release the single with her on it. So they had a country singer, Allison Moorer, re record her part for the single release. But lots of radio stations disregarded that and played the Cheryl version anyway. So what they had to do on Billboard is they had to credit it as officially Kid Rock featuring Cheryl Crow or Allison Moore. <laughs> See, again, once again, kind of, you know, going with the theme of the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The song is this about kind that. of a cheating guy. The song yeah. is about a guy. It's like he is out on the road 
He's cheating. Uh huh. She's home. They can't look at the picture of the other one because so, yeah, it hurts so that too does much. Fit. I don't know, and I don't know how often that's happened on Billboard where they have to put or because you know it could be one or the other. Uh, who, who knows what you're hearing? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, in 2003, she releases a uh, compilation, the very best of Cheryl Crow album, and as you, as is the tradition, you put some new songs on there, uh, and she put a cover of Cat Stevens' "The First Cut Is the Deepest." Definitely heard her version of that. I mean, that's the most popular version. Uh, and, you know, and when, when Gold went to number 14, you know, the Cat Stevens version is not like a, was not a huge What hit. What year did she put that out? 2003. Oh, okay. I was like, it feels like a long time ago because it was. It was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. ago. Okay. Wow. Ew. And <laughs> that's, that's where I would say it probably ends with like the big songs that everybody knows from Sheryl Crow. But that's a lot what we went through like yeah. big ones and it, we weren't we sometimes we can get a little like yeah some people know this song like all those were like legitimate hits that you know whether or not you like Cheryl Crow or not yeah and I think that you know maybe it's just she wasn't writing the hits anymore wasn't as in tune with what was going on but I do think it was also because she needed to take a step back from the spotlight and so she wasn't she wasn't trying to recreate the success of the beginning of her career so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she had, you know, she has a reputation as a workhorse. You know, she was on the road constantly, doing everything, and it really, it all, you know, culminated in her having to like manage her life and mental state and, and emotional state. Well, she had to make time for all those Willie Nelson duets. She had to clear her schedule. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got to. I mean, and Cheryl Crow has has duetted with. With all, with everybody, not unlike Willie, she has that oh, yeah. kind of Willie quality where she everybody does, wants yeah. to duet with her. So you got to clear your schedule if you if you want to schedule some studio time. And I I get that. All right, let's go to the next category: albums. Does she have albums that are considered all time classics? And we can kind of go through the discography. Um, you know, that first album was the breakout Tuesday Night mm-hmm. Music Club, and this is the one where it came out of that collective with the with those guys including uh two guys david and david who had a a group a group called david and david that have some have some no they have some they have some good songs i mean like if you like and then like the second album is kind of her, you know, splitting with that group, there were, you know, there was an issue with this, like, David Letterman appearance where he asked her if a song was autobiographical and, like, they kind of, they wrote it, but she said, yeah, kind of in the moment, and they got really mad and it caused this rift. So the Sheryl Crow, the self-titled second album was, you know, she produced it. It's way more of about her songwriting. She has some co-writers, but way fewer than she did on, on the first one, which have like a ton of uh, people contributing. And then, you know, the, those first two are the ones that have like a lot of the big ones. And then, like we said, there's kind of like one big song off of each album after that, the globe sessions, come on, come on wildflower. Do you think any of those albums are on the Rolling Stone list of the 500 greatest? My feeling. And I usually say this is that they, they like to, choose the break if there's going to be an album they usually like it to be the breakthrough album 
So I, and the thing about Cheryl, and we'll get into this next category, but she's not like a critical darling. She's not like a rolling, like she's someone who could definitely be written about like in Rolling Stone and has I'm sure been on the cover and things not as many times as Jim Morrison but like I'm sure she's been on the cover I think that if there is an album on there I think it's Tuesday Night Music Club and I think it would be in the back half of the 500 I think it would be like I'm gonna say 325 solid guess Trisha, what do you think? Do you think any of those albums would make the Rolling Stone 500? Uh, yeah, I, I basically agree with that. And I think the the one thing that makes me think that they're not is like, she's not necessarily like known as an albums artist. She really is just known more for her songs. And I don't think like the average person who like listens to like every day's winding road cares what album it's on. Um, I think she's like known for a particular set of songs and not necessarily albums. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So there is a Sheryl Crow album on this list. Okay. Uh, on on the new list, not on the original list, but on the on the 2020 Redux, and it's the sophomore self titled. <gasps> oh. Album. Because that's the one where she makes you happy and change would do you good and every day is a winding mm-hmm. road. But also more importantly, it's like her kind of taking control. You know, it's not the it's Tuesday not night like music club. It's... She can't be like no one can kind of like dispute her. Mm-hmm. Um, she produces uh, it herself, which exactly, is like, like her role on it. Yeah. Rare at the time. And, you know, she uh, I, the name of those albums are not arbitrary you know they're actually quite meaningful if you think about it the first one's called tuesday night music club it comes from that uh that crew and they're all contributing and the second one is called cheryl crow because it's coming from just her you know sometimes i do feel like the self-titled album is meaningless (laughs) like it's just like i can't think of an album name so self-titled but i feel Mm -hmm. like her calling that sophomore album cheryl crow is a meaningful one given that it was like, I, Cheryl Crow, have something to say. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to produce it myself. And uh, yeah, so it's on the list and it comes in at 475. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I I wasn't right at all, but I understand what's going on there. Yes. Your, your instinct that like the breakout yeah. would make it make sense. But no, this, this was, it's just more kind of in the tradition of what the Rolling Stone lists like. The singer songwriter the complete artist the mm-hmm. you know uh auteur almost and it makes sense that it would be on the redux because they you know really tried to correct some of the huge imbalance as far as like gender and um racial lines totally but i'd, I'd say if you're make if you're talking about like what are classic albums generally i think those first two you know are are in the conversation Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, next category is cl- critical acclaim that connects kind of what we're talking about. Uh, and, and like you said, Kristen, I'd say it's like kind of down the middle, not exactly a critical darling, but never derided really either appeals to some more than others, you know, has enough depth to satisfy certain people, but maybe mm-hmm. a little too safe for others mm-hmm. if, you know, they're being kind of superficial about it. Uh, but way more an industry darling than anything, you know, nine mm-hmm. Grammys, 24 nominations is at a ton of rock hall stuff just make, makes a lot of appearances at the big events. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what has Robert Criscow had to say about her? Oh yeah, he's Criscow <laughs> is has been like super kind, uh, but he has not been uh, you know, a he's he, he hasn't uh, been a pill, a total a little, pill about it. A, a little bit of a pill, All right. um, but he's exactly right, right down the middle there with like he says her un her un her unairbrushed enthusiasm bridges generations, mm. but then he goes on to say you know, but sometimes she gets a little bland uh blah 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 he goes on to say what a freaking dork uh but you know he also said uh you know the most sensible tunes and pop today so oh wow that is damned with faint praise the most sensible tunes in pop today these tunes are straight sensible um <laughs> yeah i just nobody's kind of you know out there being like absolute genius cheryl crow which is you know i'm not saying she's not one i'm just with regard to the critical, critical community yeah community Totally. I mean, because like sometimes it does take for the critics, they want to see someone who's more outwardly weird mm-hmm. or experimental, like the the art of the pop song, the art of the pop rock song. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, if it's a little bit, it takes a little bit more nuance to see versus like, you know, bold experimentation. You know, this is like, can you deliver a, like a, a straightforward rock pop song that has depth? You just have to kind of look for it yeah i think if anything it's sort of just been in retrospect i'm starting to see people uh give her a little more credit than maybe they did at the time i'm definitely like this goes into like influence which we'll talk about but like i'm definitely seeing a bunch of like younger musicians just like talk about her that way and talk about her as like an inspiration that way like very recently like Phoebe Bridgers, Soccer Mommy, Snail Mail, Waxahachie, they've like all covered her and they're all considered the genius young songwriters of today. Mm-hmm. So I think it's there, but it's not in the critical acclaim. Yeah. Well, that's great. Let's, let's what a perfect let's, transition into the next category. Yeah. Not exactly the next category, but we don't oh. have to, sp- we don't have to dwell on the next categories too long. Like commercial success, like 50 million albums sold worldwide. Tuesday Night Music Club went seven times platinum, self-titles three times platinum. The next three were all platinum. The best of went three times platinum. Seven gold singles, one platinum single. Like, we, there's nothing to say. It's like, yeah. yes, she was yes. commercially She's successful. She, and she continues to be. Like, you know, yeah. she tours and people go. And then Longevity, also something we've talked about, hit big in 94, had a platinum album with each release. And with the last one, uh, Wildflower in 05 was her last platinum album. So that's, you know, over 10 years. That's great. Feel like she kind of outlasted a lot of her peers uh from that era uh and yeah kept it going through the next decade and uh the longevity's a, a plus now um yeah let's get to influence as you were saying like there are artists who cover her songs and, and you know cite her as as a major influence i know haim uh, did was doing strong enough in concert mm-hmm. for a while uh, like you said, Phoebe Bridgers and Soccer Mommy, you know, who's all over the Cheryl documentary, Rock Hall favorite. Miley Cyrus. Even, even more Rock Hall favorite, Brandy Carlisle. Brandy Carlisle. Yeah. All over it. Says like Cheryl, uh, it quotes, uh, honestly changed my life and I would not be the artist that I am without Cheryl Crow and the influence that she's had on me. We'll get to that later as we talk about uh, maybe what her induction is going to look like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, but- how wild that her name is really Cheryl Crow. I just want to say, I just want to throw that out there. Her real name, Cheryl Crow. 
Awesome. Not you don't a, get many like that. Yeah, but I, you know, it's interesting with like Sheryl Crow. Uh, I feel like, like you said, Trisha, we're starting to, we're really starting to see it recently. Whereas sometimes there are artists that are on the ballot who are, you know, they've been eligible for 15 years, so we have a longer period of time to see the artists uh, in their uh, like lineage come up and and really become big successes. Whereas it does feel like the Sheryl Crow disciples are having their moment like right now and possibly in the near future and just like all all the uh, gen z singers who are influenced by her might not have like the sort of like baggage um mm-hmm. that with her as like a tabloid figure everything that like i grew up with certainly and they're just like hearing the songs and being like this is incredible which i think is really beautiful mm-hmm yeah, you know, it's it's like an evaluation of the music without having to think about any of the any of the other things or think about it out of the '90s, which was you know, you know at times not particularly kind to women, mm-hmm. um, as we've seen with the uh, many documentaries that have been like, let's uh, maybe reevaluate how we treated this woman in the '90s, which there are yeah. roughly fifty of those, which is uh, glad they're happening, but it really makes you think, wow, what a cursed time. Truly. Um, all right, let's go to uh, the category artistry slash skill. Now, are they kind of tied to what we're talking about. Like, Cheryl Crow's a, a, a great singer, has a great quality to her voice, and is a, is a very good songwriter. And is that, like, kind of singer slash songwriter that the that the hall tends to like? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of the co-writes will ruffle some feathers of the older voters, but she fits that. Uh, she fits that yes. Carly Simon, uh, Carol King, James Taylor, like she does feel like, and I know she said this herself, she feels like connected to that time generations past, you know, and it's mm-hmm. why she did so many duets with, with those, why her BFF is Stevie Nicks, you know, it, it's, it harkens back to the kind of singer songwriter era. And I, I think that is an appealing thing to the, to the voters. Yes. And, and his getting her kind of, like you said, Trisha, it's with time, it goes back to the music, goes back to the art, goes back to the output. And like that is being appreciated because it withstands the test of time. Um, What about this documentary? When did what's came out last year? Oh, so, is it like on HBO? What what channel? Showtime. I ah, OK, there we go. Called Cheryl. It's good. Tells you the story. I watched it last night. Ah. Um, all right. Final category, maybe the most important category. Maybe the easiest, most slam dunking of all the categories, too. And there are a lot of slam dunks. It has already come up quite a bit, but does my mom know who she is? I mean, it's the it's the ultimate mom music. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're soaking up the sun. We're having fun on the winding road. Okay. We're strong enough. And stop uh... it. Just stop it. Please stop it. I mean, my mom shared my article about toilet paper on Facebook, so that was classic mom move. The ultimate mom move. You got the Facebook share from your mom. There That's we go. about Cheryl Crow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Cheryl is an extremely visible celebrity. You know, we've talked about the music, but sometimes with the rock hall and, and determining who's going to get in, it comes down to celebrity, it comes down to a popularity contest to some degree. And she's a very game, very available kind of, she, she'll play ball with, with the industry. And, you know, we talked about the hall appearances and 
Go on our IMDb and click on that self tab and see how many award shows and TV shows and, and things that she's been involved in. It's a lot. It It's a, uh, she likes to work. She likes to play. Uh, and she, she likes showing up. And she that, likes, uh, you might say all she wants to do is have some fun. Okay. She likes to work. She likes to play. <laughs> all right. Let's do, let's do our, let's do our verdict. Should she be in the rock hall? Will she get in? Will it be this year? We'll start with Kristen. Yeah, obviously she should be in. She will get in and it's going to be this year, baby. Great. She punch is, it. <laughs> Check punch mark. it. I mean, you know, we've said it. I said it. She's, she's got the goods. She's got what the hall is looking for and she's the right person. It's I, 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 to me, this feels non-controversial in a good way. And you think about who votes. Yeah. And it's uh, people who are friends with Cheryl Crow. Uh, yeah. Trisha, Trisha, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think um, she certainly she should um, and will eventually. And I think she's got she's got a very good chance this year because like these are people who have been her peers uh, for so long, and she's continued to keep those relationships going. So why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think she should. Uh, and I think she will. And I do think it will be this year. I just think about like, okay, you think about the people who are booking the rock hall go to her pretty frequently. They are, they are voters. All the people that have been inducted who have like collaborated with her, which is a lot of people are, mm -hmm. are obviously friends with her. She is just well, well liked in, in the industry. You know, we said it's a Carly Simon slot, but it's also kind of like a Lionel Richie slot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like this person who is like very difficult to hate just so, shows up but like has and has like a, the personality that of like someone you want to hang out with and mm -hmm. like someone who just seems you know it isn't controversial and you know does shows up does their thing does it well and will be there for you <laughs> sounds kind of weird yeah. like i i need a shoulder to cry on well, uh, i mean not to call her like old reliable but there is a feeling of like reliability to you know what you're gonna get cheryl's not gonna show up she's not gonna cause drama she's gonna show up do her job be pleasant be seemingly professional and mm -hmm. you know and and i don't mean that in any way actually i don't want this to come off like i am in any way throwing shade at alanis for the issues last year for for the issues last year because again i believe when people say that they are being treated improperly what does she gain by saying that you know right. other than a reputation for being quote unquote difficult like you you believe so i just mean it like she is someone who seems to be uncontroversially liked and shows up and does a good job does a great job and People like her. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I would, I would bet on it. It is, a, it is a, uh, it is a competitive year. So anything can happen. Uh, someone's getting snubbed, but let's and talk someone's about. Someone's getting three points. <laughs> it's me. Let's uh, you'll get four. I'm getting four points on our draft. More, anyway, that's that means four more nothing points than I got last year means nothing to no one. So let's talk about, let's say she's getting inducted. Who should give the speech to induct Cheryl Crow? Um, Stevie is the first name that comes mm -hmm. to mind, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's also, you know, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards have also spoken very favorably of her. I guess more of a wild card since she's not a musician, but uh, Laura Dern 
uh, another oh, yeah. another person who's like everyone loves and finds reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're very good friends. They were roommates for a while. So I kind of I kind of think she probably has some good stories. Yeah, I think that would be a fun one as well. And no one's going to be upset if Laura Dern shows it up on stage. Right. Yeah. And and they were they were roommates during their fame. It wasn't like before we got famous. It was like they were they were roommates kind of in in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the hall sometimes does that. They have you know Drew Barrymore. Well, and we like celebrity, yeah, exactly. Like actors, especially they deliver a good speech, all that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so I think that's a good one. Stevie Nicks makes a lot of sense as well. I mean, uh, Cheryl was was there for Stevie when she was inducted. They just seem to be really tight and know each other and love each other. You know, Keith Richards, like you said, it seems like a weird one, but he was all over that documentary. Like he is as a talking head, he has a lot to say and like really likes Cheryl Crow. And like, I don't take Keith Richards as the type of guy who would do that documentary if he didn't want to, you know what I mean? I I feel like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. Like nobody is, he needs the publicity. Right. Exactly. No, it's, you can tell it's like he showed up because he, he loves her um, and like believes in what she does and believes that she's great. And, you know, that's like kind of the, the classic rock pick if they want to do that, like a, like a Paul McCartney inducting the Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. you know, Pat Benatar could return the favor. Uh, I doubt they would do that, but you know, it's just kind of like a tit for tat, you know, she inducted her last year. Pat. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. Um, but I kind of, I, it'll be interesting. Like, do they pull the Brandy Carlisle string again because they love they love having brandy and i do feel like she is all over that documentary kind of saying things that sound like they are sound bites from an induction they're like ready well do you think they'll use a lot of that for the package i would bet that they contact the director of this documentary and make the package out of the documentary a la jimmy ivy and the defiant ones a la clarence avon and the black godfather because it's like the it's the easiest uh route uh, for that. Yeah. They already have beautiful footage because it's shot very, very well. Yeah. So they are already have beautiful footage. And just these are package. like incredible talking heads. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, right. You don't have yeah. to do any work. You just have to recut it. And, you know, Brandy honored uh, Cheryl Crow at the Austin City Limits Hall of Fame, which I didn't know existed, but, you know, the, the she did the kind of honors for that. It just feels like so in the pocket of the hall. And the only reason I'd say that Brandy doesn't do it is if they need Brandy to induct Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> If they need, because like Brandy is such a floater, like they could have her induct yeah. anybody. I just uh, feel like they're going to get the biggest name they possibly can. And so because there are some other big heavy hitter names, they might, um, you know, try to do that. It's possible. Yeah, there's a lot of options, but and, but there's some good ones. Let's talk about what three, what's a good three song set for the ceremony. Trisha, if you had to, if you had to put together a three song set uh, for this induction, what would you, what would you do? I feel like maybe just start with all I want to do because it's it is the most popular song. Get that kind of out of the way, then maybe strong enough. Mm-hmm. Let it um, go down turn, a little. Turn it down to a low simmer. Low simmer. <laughs> maybe stare at particular people in the audience so she can mm-hmm. see them. Um, and then yeah, I think uh, if it makes you happy is kind of a good mix of both, mm-hmm. um, the like quieter and the louder. So. 
and it's one of my favorites. So yeah, I, I, I think you're, I wrote down nearly the same thing. Open with all I want to do. I say do every day is a winding road as mm. your second one as kind of an up-tempo one. And then if it makes you happy, you've got everybody screaming at the end as your closer. And then, oh my gosh, you hear drunk every night at the hotel it's off, Kid Rock. off screen. <laughs> it, no, it's not Kid Rock. It's, it's a Sheeran. seamless merge into <laughs> Willie Nelson's induction. He comes out, they duet. Uh, yeah, no, they. I, I do think they will also, I think they might include picture without Kid Rock or like do something like that, get a duet um, of whoever, Keith Urban or whatever country Keith music Urban is, is the hall choice, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. get, I don't know, who did they have? Who was that country guy they had do the Doobie Brothers or... or Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. Maybe yeah, they get somebody the, like that. They, I yeah, know. I mean they had, they had Keith Urban at the at the Tina. Yeah, um, they get, that, that was good. They get yeah. Oh no, honestly, good. Remember, we, we uh, loved it. Um, but like they get you know some kind of country newfangled country guy. No, yeah, which there will like be some, a lot of newfangled yeah. country folk on hand because Willie mm-hmm. will certainly be inducted as well. And I would say count on Cheryl being involved with Willie's induction performances, likely the jam yeah. at the end with on the road again would be my uh, prediction if I had. Yeah. What about having a kid rock busking outside Barclays with (laughs) a random woman? Yes. That would be fun for me. Yeah. You know what? I like that. I like that a lot. If Cheryl gets in, the ceremony is at the Barclays center in Brooklyn this year. Would you go? Um, I would love to. I'm going to say, yeah. You cover award shows. Maybe it would even be, you know, Uh, uh, a business and pleasure uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah. There you go. That's that's the right answer. She's getting in. Because we intend to to go as well, regardless of who gets inducted, just because we're cursed and we have to uh, be there for everything. Oh, boy. But well, the thing is, it's uh, even though it's long, it's always a good time. It's always fun, yeah. It's always like a, a real fun spectacle well that's gonna do it trisha thank you so much for joining us this was a lot of fun thanks for making time yeah thank you um and i want to give you the chance to uh share and plug whatever you'd like your social media uh, any writing Substack, whatever you got uh yeah i have a twitter trisha underscore gilbride where you can search for my tweets about Cheryl Crow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a newsletter about pop culture called Trishues, basically like tissues with an R. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's it right now. Hell yeah. Well, check that out, everybody. Of course, uh, our listeners know they can follow us at RockAllPod on Twitter and Instagram. RockAllPod on, at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see that, you need to designate that somewhere in your message. Otherwise, she's not going to see it. And that's your fault. Yep. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Uh, anything less than five stars would be cruel, and uh, it wouldn't be what Cheryl would want, ultimately. Yeah, don't do that. Um, thank Cheryl. you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music, and thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares? About the Rock Hall. About the Rock Hall.